the book of Psalms. Can we do that? Psalm chapter 40, beginning in verse 1. Psalm chapter 40, beginning in verse 1. Title of my message today is, I have a promise in the pit. I have a promise in the pit. How many of you have found yourself in a pit before? Maybe you're in one now. Uh, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. What's interesting is that the psalmist here in the scriptures found himself uh, with uh, uh, some, kind of, some kind of situation that really brought him down. Really brought him down. And he compared it to being in a muddy, slimy pit. And these three verses that we're going to look at today talk about, how the, uh, talk about the fact that there is a promise for each and every one of us here today whenever we find ourselves in those really low spots. How many of you know that God's with you on the mountaintop, but he's also with you in the pit? Right? A lot of people assume that just because I'm going through a hard time, God not, must not be around. And I need to tell you that that's just not true. We are promised that God will never leave us and he will never abandon us. He will never forsake us. God is there. But there are some promises, I believe, that God wants to remind us of if we find ourselves in a pit. If you're able to, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word as we look at this together? Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. Verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. You have a promise today in the pit. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your incredible word. Lord, I pray that you meet every single one of us in this room and those within the sound of my voice, maybe those watching us online, meet us right where we're at today that we can know. We can know that there's an answer, there's a future, there's a hope in you. And God, I'll thank you for all that you do. And it's your name that we pray this and we believe. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. It's so good to see all of you here today. How are we doing? I'm, thanks for braving the frozen tundra of Northeast Ohio to come here. We got so spoiled with 40 and 50 degree weather, right? And, and then God said, ha, it's February. And... Uh, but that's okay. We've only got four months until spring, so it's going to be great. Um, <laughs> and if you're not from here, you have no idea what I mean, but uh, anyway, and some of you are just now getting that, which is awesome. And uh, by the way, I, got a, I, I, I put a typo on the screen when it came to belonging to Bethel. So belonging to Bethel is today, okay? I know it said next Sunday, and some of you, it was just driving you crazy when you read that. <laughs> So be set free in Jesus' name. It's today. And uh, so there you go. It's going to be fun. Now, 
back to the message, okay? You have a promise in the pit. The question is, what does, what does our pit look like? You know, David finds himself, as he's writing this psalm, he finds himself writing this, and he, and he talks about how he is in this, uh, this kind of a cistern, if you will. And at the bottom of it, it's not dry ground. It, it's muddy. Anybody ever been like, like a, 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 a muddy terrain where, where your foot gets stuck in the mud? And then even like when you try to lift it out, you notice that your shoe is still in the mud. Anybody? Yeah, yeah. Those are fun times. Um, this would be, I think, kind of the setting that our psalmist is in here today. He is in this slimy pit full of muck and mud and mire. And the psalm talks about how God did something about that. But what, what does your pit look like, where you feel stuck, where you feel abandoned, where you feel uncomfortable, where you feel stressed and full of anxiety. What's that look like? Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's your finances. Maybe for some of us here, when your finances go bad, then that brings you to a low emotionally that is unlike any other. The stress of bills, the stress of uh, the cost of things going way up. I don't know if you've noticed that, but the cost of things have gone up a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, Maybe loneliness. You know what's interesting? One, one, uh, I'm not going to get on a particular rant, per se, but... I, uh, when, when COVID took place and we isolated, especially with our young people, what happened is that we cut people off from other people. And for some, they still have not recovered from that. And I believe that there is a... <laughs> I believe that there's another pandemic of loneliness and the next one, anxiety, that has taken place in our country, and it's within people in the church. For the last four years, there's been a lot of fear. There's been a lot of cutting off. There's been a lot of insecurity. There's been a lot of loneliness. There's been a whole lot of that, and and especially, again, for our students. I, I, I look at our college students. You were the generation in high school that went through all of this. And all of a sudden, and, and we have teachers in here too, everything changed. And, 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 and some of you are not, but uh, uh, and some of you, high school was the best six years of your life. And uh, right. so <laughs> you know who you are. And, um, <laughs> and so, yeah, the challenge of, of the learning situation, but but. There was a lot of emotional things that took place from that, and there was a lot of social things that took place from that that I don't know. I don't know that the generations under me have recovered well from, let alone us old people. (laughs) Uh, 
Maybe your health. Uh, Because of health challenges that you face uh, and some of the things that you go through. I'm not trying to depress you, but I want want you to understand that pits are very real. And and when we find ourselves in these, sometimes we almost feel guilty because of the feelings that are associated with what we're going through. We, we, in fact, there, there's some bad preaching out there, teaching out there, that would suggest that if you're going through any of these things, then your faith must not be good enough. You must be doing something wrong spiritually. And the trouble with that is that I can't find it in the Bible. That's why we don't preach it. Um, sometimes difficult things happen to good people. And then we don't know how to react to that. Maybe there's a family issue going on, and and boy, that could be a lot of things, correct? Relationships that are important to us, that are suffering, and and, and what is all this? It's, they're pits. They are low points in our lives that sometimes we as followers of Jesus, we're not sure how to process those things. But I will tell you that if somebody like David, some of the characters in the scriptures who were ready to give up, some of the great heroes of the faith that you'll find in the word of God that were depressed and and some just said, you know what, I just want to die. If they said that and God was still there for them, I got good news for you that God's still there for you too, even if you've reacted in the wrong way. So what I want to identify today are some promises for us if we find ourselves in a pit, no matter what your pit looks like. (laughs) I almost said, and your pits look different than your neighbor's pits. (laughs) I did say that. (laughs) But you know what I mean. But if you're at that point in the muck and the mire and, and, and difficult situation, God's got a promise for you. And I've, I've identified a few just in the few verses that we read here today. And I'd like to share them with you. Number one, here's your first promise. God will respond. God will respond to you. And I want you to know right now that just because there has not been a change in your circumstances does not mean that God is not responding. Look at verse 1 again. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. I want you to know that there's a couple things in this verse that kind of stood out for me. Uh, Number one, the psalmist, he cried out to the Lord. And by all means, you've got to cry out to the Lord if you find yourself in a pit. Can you say amen? But he also said, I waited patiently for the Lord. How many of you love waiting patiently? For anything. That goes against our culture. 
Our culture is so immediate. So immediate. You've heard me kind of go off on this before. A generation ago, we would, we would find our information at something called a library. And we'd go to an encyclopedia. Some of you have no idea what an encyclopedia looks like. Well, I've got Wikipedia. <laughs> What's cool about encyclopedias is those were accurate. <laughs> My word. But now information about anything is at our fingertips. It's incredible. I had to... I, I, if you know me, I'm not the most mechanically inclined person at all, okay? I, I, well, <laughs> I won't say that joke, but, but uh, I'm not very inclined. And, and, but you know, you know what I could do now? I, because I was trying, oh, I was trying to fix the copier. <laughs> Boy. And I had my way of doing it. I almost broke, the co- I, I almost destroyed the copier, okay? Not out of anger, it was love, but... <laughs> But it was funny because I, 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 found, I found a YouTube video on how to make the exact repair to our copier. I thought, oh, so I don't have to force that door open with a screwdriver. <laughs> no, it opens by itself when it's supposed to. Oh, wow, that saved us a few hundred bucks. And what's funny, information, it's just right there. I don't need to wait for it. I could find some guy who made a YouTube video on it, and there it is. I could look it up online. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. God does not always respond to us instantly. And I find it interesting that the first thing that the psalmist says, I waited patiently for the Lord. That's the hard part. Praying to God is not the issue. It's waiting. For God, that is the issue. And I want you to know that a delay in getting out of your pit does not equal God abandoning you, does not equal God ignoring you, does not equal God uh, just turning a deaf ear towards you. That's not what's happening. Sometimes there is what I call a holy delay to the answer to our prayer. And these are some of the biggest hurdles that a lot of us have to jump over on this race that we call the Christian walk. We see it elsewhere in in scriptures how when we cry out to God, he will answer. Psalm 91 verse 15 says, he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. How about Isaiah chapter 49 verse 8? This is what the Lord says, in the time of my favor... I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. There is nothing that will stop God from listening to you today. Nothing. Nothing. He's not preoccupied with the Middle East. He's not worried about the other 8 billion people on the earth that he just doesn't have time for you. He will respond. And if you're in a pit, that's a promise you have today. Even if nobody else responds, God will. Even if nobody else seems to care, God does. 
God will respond. The second promise that maybe you need to hang on to is this one. God will rescue. Not only will God respond, but God will rescue you. We have a promise of that. Some of us think that God has permanently tattooed a target on our back for the devil to fire his spear at it anytime we're miserable. Some of us think, well, I'm just, I'm just God's whipping boy. It's the cross I bear. I don't think that's the case. I look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He's going to lift you out of this thing. This is not final. Some of us think that we are at the final chapter. You're not. You're not. God very much wants to lift you out of the pit that you are in today. God has no intention of seeing his people remain in the pit. If you think your calling in life is to be miserable, in the name of Jesus, get over yourself. You're not his martyr. Maybe you've gone through some hard times, but please, that's only part of the story. God wants to rescue you. Can you say amen? God wants to bring you out of that pit. God doesn't want you to linger there. God wants to take you out. Now, now some of us, I know what you're saying. Well, he, he hasn't answered my prayer yet. I just prayed last Tuesday. And I'm telling you what, this has been a battle. And absolutely, it's a battle. But then I look at some people, they have prayed for the same thing for a year. Two years. I know some people that have prayed for over a decade for the same thing. Has God abandoned them? No. Has God turned a deaf ear to them? No. I believe that God's going to bring me out of that pit. If it's your health issue, I believe God's going to eventually, whenever his timing is perfect. Again, my brother once said this, God is never late, but he misses a lot of chances to be early. Amen. But he's never late. He's never late. He knows the perfect time to rescue you. It is not God's desire for you to be that one person in the kingdom of God who is going to be miserable for the rest of your life. That is not God's plan for you. Get that out of your mind. Get that out of your head. Yes, we embrace suffering. Yes, we embrace it when we can suffer with and like Christ. But it's not final. God will bring us out of the slimy pit. Can you say amen? Can I give you a third promise today? God will respond to you and God will rescue you. But thirdly, and I love this one, this might be my favorite one, God will restore you. Hmm. Now this is significant. The, 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 the picture is like God lifting, lifting us up out of that pit and our legs are all muddy. Our clothes are filthy. We've been down in that pit for a while. We've been stuck in the mud for, well, I shouldn't say that. We, we've been in the mud for quite some time. 
And we get this image of God lifting us up and, oh, thanks, Jesus. All right, I'll take it from here. And, and see, the work of Jesus is actually just beginning. Look again at verse 2, the second half of it. It says, he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. See, not only did God, does God lift us out of the pit, but I believe that he also carries us to a place where we can finally stand. He takes us to a firm foundation, to a firm place where we're not sliding all over the place or we're not getting stuck and we're, we're not confined to the pit. He wants to bring you out from where you were and restore you to a place of health again. See, a lot of us think that God wants us to carry a lot of baggage the rest of our lives. In fact, dare I say that some of us have kind of gotten used to the mud. We have. It's like, oh, you know, I like it. It matches my eyes. And we don't know what to do without mud. We don't, we don't, we don't know what to do without the mire. We've, we've conditioned ourselves to, to be in this position for so long. We almost don't know what it's like to be out of the mud, for God to clean us up, for God to set our feet on a place where we're not sliding around and we're not stuck. We're actually able to stand. We're, we're better than what we were. See, here's the deal. Here's the deal. God doesn't want to bring you out of the pit so that you're damaged goods. God wants to bring you out of the pit and put you in a place where you are no longer damaged goods, that you're not carrying baggage. Oh, you've got a testimony, but it's not baggage. That thing that he pulled you out of, that's not holding you back. That's actually lifting God up because you could say, I was in the mud. I was stuck down here. Things were rough. Things were miserable. But God has now set my feet on a rock so that I can stand. I'm not addicted anymore. I'm not full of anxiety anymore. I'm not angry all the time anymore. I'm not full of all this grief and, and, and I'm not miserable anymore because God has done a change in my life. See, that's what God does. He restores. He wants to put you in a place where you can stand again. Some of us, we haven't stood in a while. Some of us, we've gotten too used to mud. Some of us haven't functioned well. Some of us think our identity is mud. I should have called this, my name is mud. That would have been a great message title. Some of us think that, that's my identity. And it's not. It's not. God wants to take you out of that. For you are no longer a victim. Hear me. You are no longer, you are no longer a product of bad decisions made by other people in your past. That's not who you are. Oh, I need to say that again. You are not the product of bad decisions that somebody else made in your past. That is not your identity. Your identity is found in the cross of Jesus Christ. 
the greatest decision ever made was to save my soul. For Jesus to shed his blood and die in my place. That is where I find my identity. I don't find my identity coming from a broken home. I don't find my identity going through this battle and that battle. I don't find my identity by being rejected by this person or that person. I find my identity in the one who brought me out of the pit and set me on a place firm to stand, to function, to be real again. Give God praise for that. He is worthy of this praise. That's your identity. That's restoration. It's not just pulling you out so you're still holding on to the ridge of the pit. He wants to get you away from that. Set your feet out of place to stand. A fourth promise. Pastor, how many promises do you have? You only have three verses. I got 82, but I narrowed it down to five. So here's number four. Are you ready? Number four. God will be revered. Now don't miss this. Because this, this, this is important. Okay? We're in the last verse that we read. In verse 3, first half of it, it says, He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. I've met too many people whom God has done a work in and through, follow me here, and they get all the glory. I'm going to start mud ministries. Yep. <laughs> My name is mud.com. I wonder if that exists. Wait, I, I, I'm going to bring all the attention to me. You know what I've discovered about me? I am nothing compared to God. And the truest test of humility is not seeing who you are compared to other people. The true test of humility is seeing who you are compared to Jesus. That'll keep you humble. And, and, and the psalmist, he's stuck in this pit. God brings him out of it. He doesn't stop there. He sets his feet on a rock so that he can stand again. And he's, he's been restored. And what's the first thing he says? I'm going to praise the Lord for this. I'm going to give God my worship for this. I will revere him. I will praise him. I will worship him. I will give him all the glory. Why? Why? Because with our praise, get this, you ready? With our praise, we are saying, God did this, not me. It wasn't my willpower that brought me this far. It wasn't my charming and dazzling personality that brought me this far. It wasn't because I knew a guy. It wasn't because, well, I know a guy. But it wasn't because, it wasn't because I had all the right friends and all the right places. Do, you know, do you know who did this? It was God. You know who brought me out of this pit? It was God. And when you praise God and worship God for bringing you out of the pit that you were in, you are giving him immediate credit. You are saying, God, the glory goes to you. Not to me, Lord God, but to your name. Be 
the glory. You can do a lot of great things through God and for God, but he is the one that gets the glory for it. He's the one. The psalmist, he saw what had happened in his life. But it wasn't about him. It's about God. Whatever God does in your life, it's, it's, it's not about you. It's about God. It's about God. Y'all were so kind to, to clap because our ministry has seen dozens of, of people go into ministry all over the world throughout the years. And Annette and I would both tell you that it is incredibly overwhelming to see that. But do you know who gets the glory for that? It's God. It's God. That God could just do what he does through imperfect vessels like us and do such great things in people's lives. God is the one who gets the glory. When God brings you out, give him the praise. Here's the last promise. I promise. That was good. God will be revealed. God will be revealed. The second half of verse 3, it's one of my favorite phrases in Scripture. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. This isn't in reference to a sermon. This is the psalmist saying, I was in a pit. God pulled me out of it. Cleaned me up. Set me on a place that I could stand. And I'm giving him praise for that. And, and, and many will see what God's done in me. Are you catching this? And they will put their trust in him. Could I answer the question of why for a lot of you here today? Why am I going through this? Why am I facing this? This isn't fair. How come jerks get the blessings and I'm nice and I don't get the blessings? I've heard that. How, how, come, how come I feel this way? Why is this happening to me? Why is this taking place? Here's the answer. See, because God has a promise in your pain, but he also has a purpose in your pain. Let me try this side. God, God's got a promise in your pit, but he's also got a purpose in your pit. And could it be, could it be that you're wondering why you're facing what you're facing? And we're not here to minimize what you're facing, by the way. But you're facing it, and you've got questions, and you're doing all the soul searching. Okay, did I sin the other day? What did I do? And, and, and we, almost, we almost think, oh, man, there's got to be something that God's getting me for, and that's just not it. It could be that the words of Jesus are kind of being reflected when, when he says, you know, in this world, you will have trouble, but, but take heart. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And it, it could be 
that in the midst of my facing the trouble that I'm facing, that I need to realize that there are people watching me. By the way, there's people watching you, Christian. And when you go into the pit, they're watching. I wonder how authentic her faith really is. I wonder if she's going to, you know, spew out a bunch of words that a person like her shouldn't say. Because, you know, she's churchy. But now she's going through this battle. I wonder how she'll respond. I promise you, you're being watched. Maybe some of us need to say, instead of rebuking the enemy, why don't we just say challenge accepted? When they see what God has done, maybe they will put their faith in Jesus. Parents, grandparents, your family's watching. If you have any kind of influence whatsoever, the people who follow you, the people whom you're influencing, they're watching you. And these are testing times. These are difficult for us to kind of wrap our heads around because we just want everything to be hunky-dory, and when they're not, we'd like to be isolated in a bubble so that nobody sees how I'm really feeling about this. And I'm not saying to be fake. I'm telling you to be authentic. Be real, but understand that many will see what God does in you and they will put their faith in God. There's your answer why. It could be that somebody's eternity will be changed because of how you handle the pit. Oh. You may see no purpose in this pit, but God does. Well, I wish he'd reveal it to me, right? It's like, God, hey, what in the world? Why? And he doesn't always tell us. To quote the great prophet, Jack Nicholson, (laughs) you can't handle the truth sometimes. It's a message Bible. Sometimes we really can't handle what God's plans are right away. He's got to tell us incrementally. Sometimes covered in mud, you don't see the purpose, but maybe the purpose comes after, after you're cleaned up and you're standing and you're, you're a different person than what you were before. In fact, you're a better person than what you were before. And then somebody says, what has happened to you? See, I've seen that in some of you. I've seen the difference that Jesus has made in you. I see it in how you post online. I see it in how you carry yourself. I see it in how you handle people and how you even talk to other people. God has changed you significantly. Understand that that is one of the greatest testimonies that we could ask for here. So many will see what God has done in you and they will put their faith in him. There's your answer why. Pits. (laughs) When life is the pits. There's a promise in the pit. Jonathan, if you can help me. 
there's a promise for you. I have a promise in the pit. He hasn't left me. He hasn't given up on me. I've got a promise in the pit. He will respond to me. All I got to do is pray. Then I got to wait. Even if I don't like waiting, we got to wait. But I believe he'll rescue me out of that pit. And not only that, he'll restore me. He, he will not only make me like I was, he'll make me better than what I was before I even fell in the pit. That's what he'll do. And in the midst of it all, he gets the glory. He gets the praise. He gets the honor. I will worship him. And Lord, if there's somebody that could be touched by the work that you've done in me, Lord, let it be. Change eternity if you have to. Because God not only has a promise in the pit, he's got a purpose in the pit. Would you stand with me, please? You know what, this, this topic can be difficult to talk about because it, it generates a lot of emotion for a lot of people. Because some of you, you're in that pit right now. Some of you, you were in it recently and you still feel like you're covered in mud. And you, you're, you're kind of in that process between being rescued and restored. And the Lord the Lord would say to you that God wants to finish the work in your life. He wants to finish it. Anybody ever start a project at home that you didn't finish? Man, I do that all the time. It's horrible. I think my house is like five different colors outside. And, and God, God doesn't start a project you. He doesn't start at work only to leave it undone or mostly done. He who began a good work in you will bring it forth to completion until the day of Christ. So if you're in the process, maybe you're in the mud, maybe you just got out of the mud and you don't know what's next, would you call out to the Lord and wait patiently for him? Because I believe that once again, he will respond. He will rescue you. He will restore you all for his glory. And other people will see the work that God has done in your life. So here's my question. If you're in a pit today, would you cry out to the Lord today? Would you do that? No matter what your situation looks like. And again, in a room with this many people, it's going to look different for others. So we don't minimize your situation. Not at all. That'd be wrong for us to do. But today, you can cry out to God. You can say, Lord, I'm in this pit. I don't like it. I need you to rescue me. And maybe that's all you need to pray. Others of us, you need to know what the next step is. Cry out to God. Let him speak to your Holy Spirit. Through his Holy Spirit, into your spirit. And today... I believe that there's going to be some people with their feet on rocks instead of mud. People who are standing instead of sliding. People who are winning instead of struggling. 
I believe that God is going to meet you today. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you a chance to respond to the Lord. Maybe just sit in his presence. Maybe just wait in his presence. But make this a place of prayer. And when you're done, you can consider yourself dismissed. But I believe that there are plenty of people here who need to cry out to the Lord because of the pit that they're in. So you can come to this altar at your seat, but we're going to make this whole place a place of prayer. So let's do it. You ready? Jesus, I love these people so much, and God, you love them even more. I pray for rescue today. I pray for restoration today. The lives would be restored. The marriages would be restored. That character would be restored. Their reputations would be restored. Health would be restored. God, just restore. And God, may it be enough that other people will see what you do and and they will know that you have been at work. So Lord, as we cry out to you today, meet us. Wrap your arms around us. Touch us with your spirit and with your holy presence. And we walk out of here, Lord God, with victory on our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you need to pray, will you do so right now? If God's released you, you can consider yourself dismissed.